paralyzed, okay, now what? I mean, you might mope and cry, you might be depressed for a while, I don't know, but at some point you're gonna get up because there you are. Like, you're not, you're still alive, so you still have to live. All right, everybody, welcome back. This is episode 4,527 of the Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things podcast. We're here with Kimberly Kelly today. She's got an interesting, interesting story about adversity and just kind of hanging in there. So um, I'll tell you a little bit about Kimberly and then I'll let her introduce herself. She's an artist. She's a mother of five, grew up in Parsons, Parsonsfield, Maine. Uh, she's the oldest of three, has a brother and a sister. Uh, is a daughter of a successful antique dealer. So um, she had a little bit of a cha challenging, challenged childhood. She'll tell you a little bit about that. Um, that might be the basis for a lot of our conversation today. Um, she's just going to talk to us about what she's been through. She's refused to give up. And she, she's refused to let challenges define her life. She's here to inspire other people today to keep on trucking, um, Keep, keep getting up. They always say you, uh, it doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down, you got to get up one more time. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, she's also been challenged recently to start sharing her story. And so we were talking, we spent a couple hours last week talking about her story. So I'm here to kind of give her the platform to start doing that and maybe encourage her to, to move along and start doing that. She's a little nervous. She said, I, I don't, you know, I don't have an ego. I don't want to be doing this. Da, 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 da. It's not about that. I said, it's about helping somebody. A lot of people have been through some things. She's had more downs than ups. And um, she's here to tell you about that. And uh, hopefully somebody can take something from this as usual. Uh, before we get going, I want to thank Mitchell Powers from Powers Promotions. He's the man behind the screen, um, sitting back there smiling right now. And uh, again, my name is Bob Turner. I own Turner Builders. That's what I do in my spare time. And then I'm a world famous podcaster. And uh, we're, sitting here, we're sitting here with Kimberly today. I don't know, I'm just in a mood today. I guess we're just going to screw around and have fun. But Anyway, I want to lighten it up for you. Thanks for coming. Um, it was a couple of weeks ago, I got a call from Mike Foley and he said, Mike, I said, Bob, I got somebody you got to talk to. And when somebody says that to me, I always, always jump all over that. So the next day I was over here talking to Kimberly and we put a podcast together. We're just going to have a conversation. So she's super nervous. So yeah. How are you doing? Yes, I'm doing well. Thank yep. you. All right. Thank Can everybody so hear? All right. Can you guys in the back hear? All right. Yeah. I'll try not to mumble. <laughs> she's good. So. What did I miss? Tell us a little about a little bit about yourself. Oh well, that famous line. It's hard to you Who know. The you? older you get, the more there is to say. Yeah. So definitely. That's, that's a hard. That's a hard thing to answer. Where do I start? Well, one of the things that you told me is you had kind of a challenging childhood, and you and you just you left for twenty years or twenty two years. Um, you know, without diving too deeply into that, uh, what happened, and and you know, how did you kind of started off with a bumpy road in life, I, say, I yeah, guess, without it, getting into too much detail. But yeah, you know, where it, did that lead you? It's a little bit of a bumpy road, but you know, it was the 70s and 80s, and everything was a little bit different, yep. wild and free. There was no seatbelts, and right. you know, and no helmets. Kids were, you know, just kind of wild. So I think it's also part of the times. Yep, and it's just a different way of parenting, also oh. now. But um, I did. Um, the oldest of, of three and I'm the oldest by um, 10 and seven years. So um, I, I felt a little bit momish to my to my siblings when yep. they were going out. But 
anyway, I, you know, it's just like a lot of chaos and, you know, maybe I also was chaotic being young and um, I ended up leaving home and um, after college, I went to art school and after going to art school, I left home and I went off to California to sort of like find my, you know, go to find yourself, find my fame and fortune <laughs> as a like yeah. artist. How'd it work out? Um, so it didn't. I what happened was I met my husband, my ex-husband and the mother, father of my children, on the 405 in LA, literally on the highway. Because you just driving down the road. Driving down, it's like 10 lane highway. There's like <laughs> rush hour, and I was naive from the country, so I thought that was like an appropriate thing to be doing, which was probably not, not. <laughs> Not recommended. No, I wouldn't recommend it. But not advised. It. But anyway, it worked out. So um, I met him and I had been trying, I had been trying to get sober because I knew I had a problem with like alcohol um, and, and being a full extremist and it was not, you know, it was just, it was kind of chaotic. So you kind of, like everything you did, you did to the nth degree. Yes. Over the top. Yes. Like first time I started using I was like eight years old. My parents wow. were like hippies and I, I stole some pot and I got high when I was eight and drank beer when I was first grade getting off the school bus because my dad brewed beer. So it's just like that was kind of like how I was. And so by the time I went to California, I was, I was trying to like, I, I need to get sober. I need to stop this life. And, you know, I feel like it was divine intervention um, because I met my husband on the highway and that was that is the day I met him is my first day of sobriety. Wow. So the night before I met him I had I was trying to get sober, trying to not drink, and I had gone to down to this beach town and hung out with some friends that I knew from here and just was like going to all the bars. And on the way back is when I met him. And it, we pulled off the highway, I needed gas, and he pumped my gas, and he took my number, and we made a date. And um, he's like, yeah, he could tell I was trying to get sober. And he's like, well, you know, there are meetings here, and there's meetings there, and there's meetings here. And he was sober eight years. Oh, wow. And so that's kind of like how it happened. Yeah. And that's, I would have to say, straight up, like, you know, How many years ago was that? Was that? So that was... 32 years ago, we 33 years in February. 33 years sober. Congratulations. Almost. Thank you. Yeah, Thank that's you. good. That's no so, small feat. It was good. It's what it's what happened. So I was out there and everyone was getting sober young out there like they are here now in Portland. And I just started going to, you know, meetings like three a day. There was an Alana club down the street and I would just go like, that's all I would do. And, you know, that was, it gave me a good foundation. Yep. For everything else that was, you know, happened in life, but it's really was, I think to this day, it's the thing I am the most proud of. And I am also the most grateful for. Um, well, that was one of my questions down here at the bottom. What are you most proud of? So yeah. I, we already skipped to that. So good yeah. for you. We don't have to ask that one. Yeah. I, that, is, that is something to be proud of. And I, I know that it's something that a lot of people struggle with, you know, whether it's any kind of substance abuse or addiction, uh, just getting through that. And, mm -hmm. You know, when you, you just have three meetings a day, when you're going to three meetings a day, that's that's a lot of effort to, to stay focused, yep. you know, to stay on track. Yep. 
I just yeah. made it my commitment in my first day sober was my my first day sober. You know, I, I never I didn't go in and out of the halls as they say, you know, it's like that day. But you know, I'm also <clears throat> Irish, I'm a little stubborn, or a lot stubborn, a lot stubborn. So it's been my um my blessing and my curse. So it's like, yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm not gonna, you know. I'm going to do this. What, um, so. like, you know, I've done a lot of running and triathlon stuff, and I've, I've come across a lot of people that swapped one addiction for another. Mm -hmm. Like, they used to, they're an alcoholic, but now they run yep. every day. They yep. run 10 miles a day, mm -hmm. or they do Ironmans, or whatever they do. They kind of, they have that addictive personality. Was this something that you filled sure. the, the void with? So, ironically, I, I used to run also, yep. but then <clears throat> I was trying to run, and I actually had, I collapsed because my knees were just, I had destroyed them yeah. and I couldn't run anymore. Um, so I would just walk and I walked, I walked and walked and walked. And um, later on in life, oh, so like I had five, I had four children in California. Yep. And then we moved to um, New Hampshire, Lakes region of New Hampshire and to Wolfboro and had another, we had another child. And, um, I would walk and I'd walk with the kids every day and we'd walk two hours like it was a little challenge it was a, a lot challenging their childhood it was like it was it was a lot and um the way I I kept the kids like I just kept it like kept us moving yeah and kept us doing something we'd walk you know we and so we were walking everywhere we're seen in the town as like my uh, someone told me one day Oh, you're the walking lady. Walking lady. They, that was my nickname, the walking lady. And now I can't walk, so that's very ironic. Sad tw so, twist of irony, yeah. So for sure. I did, I did turn absolutely, you know, addictive personality. It's hard to like control and just do something in moderation. I still have not learned that. Everything in moderation, even moderation, right? Yeah, I can't do that. But it, I feel like if I choose a healthy, you know, like you know, if it's a healthy, right. it's okay, you know, and and. So it's 2022. One of the things you said to me is you're here now and you're fearless and unafraid. So how long did it take you to kind of get to that point? And you've been through a lot. We'll get into some of that here in a little bit, but you're a caretaker, a helper. You told me you put others first. Tell me more about that. Yeah, I, well, that was kind of my role in when I was young. I, I think it's just always been my personality. And yep. then, um, yeah, that's what, so I have five children. It was really easy to be in that, like, you know, I love it. I love being a mom. Yep. I love being a mom. And, um, you know, in my relationship with my husband, I really feel like it was like, it, I was in that role where I feel like I put, I feel like I put everyone else first. Um, which was my job, really, right. as a mom. Um, but as the kids grew up and moved out, that's kind of like me now going, okay, I have to go back. I'm literally going back to where I was when I was 20 and trying to pick up where I left where off. you left off, yeah. yeah. Well, now, now you're taking care of you. Yes. Right. And it's, it's, just, it's, yeah, it's, not as, it's hard, it's harder, it's harder, it's harder. Well, and you never stop being a mom, right? Or a dad. Right. And uh, so, yeah. Um, you know, how does that affect like where you're at today? Are you, are you, you're still momming, 
you know, they all need their mom. They are, my children have been through a lot of adversity and their childhood was not ideal. It was rugged in a lot of ways, a lot of ways, very, very rugged. I did my best to like use my artistic sensibility to make it feel like it was like um, fun all the time. Mm -hmm. That this whole chaos wasn't happening and all these challenges weren't happening, that we were actually just like having like camp. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, this, we were just having like a good time. Have you talked with them and asked them like what their perception of it was then and now? Yeah, they, they now they're really, as they're older and they're adults, they really have a, expressed their appreciation and their awareness of what I was doing. Yeah. And my oldest said, she said, mom, it was like chopped. And they're like, here's a bunch of random crap, you know, like, you know, make a cake. And you're right. like, oh yeah, I got this. And I feel like that's what it was like for me because, yeah. you know, my husband <clears throat> struggled a lot with, um, um, struggled a lot and had, he struggled a lot and was not always, well, he's not as always, he struggled. Yeah. He struggled a lot. So <clears throat> I had, I, you know, I wanted the outward appearance because we were, where I raised the kids in this town where it's like, you know, kind of perfect town. And we were, they were the five like wild art kids. But I try to give, I, I wanted them to, to feel like they fit in mm -hmm. because I think that's so hard for kids. Kids always feel like they're, they're outsiders. Yeah. And, um, so I try to like smooth the, 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 the gap that, that was, that was obvious. You were trying, you were kind of acting as a buffer between them and whatever else was going on. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't want them to feel the huge, like, you know, the huge depths of what, of, of what was really going on. But um, as a result, like, you know, my <clears throat> kids are really cool and really creative and they were all emo in the, you know, during that phase. And they yep. were like seen and emo into music and into and straight edge and into like art and really like really stood out. Um, yep. And I was, uh, you know, we were kind of like, uh, you know, pretty, you know, they had wild purple hair and yeah. like, you know, the whole thing during that time. And, yeah. but they were, they were really good kids and they were really, um, um, acknowledged in that, in that community for being very kind and yep. thoughtful and empathetic. Um, and I think that's probably my most, my biggest, um, the, the most part I have is for how thoughtful and kind my children are and are as adults. And um, I'd say that's a, that's a mark of success, right? Yeah, because behind the scenes, it was crazy. It was not great. You're, you're raising, you're trying to raise good humans and you did that. Yes. Like. And they, because they understood and they always had compassion for anyone struggling. Yep. And they had no problem standing up to police. Yep. And when kids are being bullied, they had no problem standing up. Yep. In defense of other children. Well, so that's like, good. Yeah. I feel like it was good. And so my husband left and went back to California. Okay. And so I went from boom being a stay-at-home mom to now mom and dad and soul support. Everything. 
And after 22 years, it was a lot. And you know, he had to do, that's where he's from. He had, he reached a point in his life where that's what he needed to do. So, so how did you deal with you that? Know, he, he was, a, in the way that he left was really a lot. But I, again, I felt as though I was kind of like being guided by some sort of like divine or whatever we want to call it um, force because I felt, you know, people lining up to be there for me in mm -hmm. ways that I, it was too obvious to deny yep. that it's like, okay, like, you know, this awful thing is happening, but this person, this person, this person is just like right there to help. Yep. And um, that just made me like in, in, in the program, people talk about you know, letting go and letting God and these things happen and, you know, and, and it's, there are words and you feel it, but when things really get rough and you see that it's going to be okay, like you realize I bought one of these, it says, this too shall pass. And that's yeah, one of the slogans. Some, you got some ink. Yeah. So and I feel like that's what you have to remember when something really awful happens. If you just say, take a breath, honestly, something. So when he left, it was pretty, it was awful. But um, I had people that lined up to really help me out and help help the kids out, and it it, um, it seemed okay. I'm saying, but um, so then I was working in restaurants, being a bartender and a server, and so were the kids, and and <clears throat> I decided to to move home to live with my mom for. A few months well I thought I could get it together and raise some money earn some money to to move go west again mm -hmm. um, and so I was hauling all my stuff back to to her house and um, it was two years after my husband left and um, I'm just going straight into the accident I don't know why so you take it, take it okay. wherever you want. It's you, you're rolling. So, so, so it was two years after he left, and then I decided, okay, well, I don't, I'll move west with the kids, or you know, we'll, I'll do this. And so I was going to my mom's, and in the process of moving everything out of our house, um, I had left one of the loads. January first was the time to be out at the house that I was renting, and I left a load at my mom's house um, the night before. And I had really good friends wanted to have us over for dinner since we were leaving. Really great friends that we had in Wolf Row. And um, so I, I left a load of stuff at my mom's, the trailer that needed to be unloaded. And um, <laughs> the kids were all loaded up in the car to go. I know, everyone's coming around. It's good, it breaks it up. The kids were loaded up in the car to go out and I just had this feeling of like, doom and I didn't understand yeah. and I and my mom and my stepdad are sitting at the table and the kids are in their car and I'm like I just feel like something bad's gonna happen I don't know what it is I just feel so awful I don't and my mom's like I think you should go to the hospital yeah like you you probably should, should go take an ambulance to the hospital I'm like you just no, didn't feel I'm right like, felt like something was gonna yeah, happen I'm like, no I don't need to go to the hospital she's like no and, I'm, and it was honestly it was like 45 minutes the kids were in the car and we're having this conversation so anyway Got in the car and went to my friends for dinner, and we were there quite late. And um, that night, I remember sleeping on, I had this bed that someone made for me, and the mattress was gone, 
because it was strapped up the, on the load at my mom's. And I had my boots on and I just laid down on the, on the plywood and I had my boots on the floor and my coat on. And I just slept there on the plywood for a couple hours. I'm yep. like, okay, you know, I'm going to go unload this. And then at seven o'clock in the morning, I got up. There had been a storm all night and um, I got in the car and the car was like, it had to be jumped all the time. It had this extension cord that I had to plug in and plug into the, I mean, it was just like, it's just like yeah. kicking my ass. I had to like use the screwdriver to turn it on. Yeah. I mean, it was, so get the car all ready to go. And the roads had been cleaned in New Hampshire all night. And I'm driving to my mom's like seven o'clock in the morning on um, New Year's Eve day, the 31st, I guess. And um, the roads were like the water's flying off the tires. I feel like it's, there's no slippage. And then the last thing I heard on the radio was they were talking about how warm it was mm -hmm. and how the temperatures are, you know, it's going to be a beautiful day and it's like the temperatures are you know, going to be high. And I crossed the border from New Hampshire into into Maine, from Freedom to, I guess, Parsonsfield, and on Route 25. And as soon as I crossed the border, those roads had not been treated at 7 o'clock in the morning. And so I just hit ice at like 60 miles an hour or whatever. And it just went into a spin. And I thought, okay, now I'm actually going to die. And so that's the moment where you think, okay, now I'm actually dying. And it's horrifying. It's a thing you think about as a yeah. person sometimes, like what would that be like if that were to happen? And it's kind of like they say where your life flashes before you. And I thought about everything, like, you know, my father, I don't really know, you know, like yeah. all these different things. And it just like, you just kind of release into that moment. There was nothing I could do. It was right. just like waiting for it to happen. So I went off the road and I rolled. I had a Land Rover Discovery, which is really top heavy. And so I rolled three times. And on one of the rolls, I was shot out from the car. Ejected. Ejected. I did not have a seatbelt on. And I normally wear a seatbelt. That morning I was just beat up, tired, exhausted. And I had, I didn't put my seatbelt on. Yep. But I did put, I used to put, I used to smoke. So I had, I would put my phone, my cigarettes in the, the cup holder and put my seatbelt on. And that morning I didn't put my seatbelt on, but I also didn't put my phone in the cup holder. So when I rolled, I was thrown out of the, the car. And when I hit the field, first of all, it was really weird. Cause I, I still don't understand it to this day. And I know there's something more to it, Yeah. but I had this sound. It sounded like I was being pulled through a cornfield. So before I hit the ground, I felt like I heard the sound of like a big sucked through something huh. really so bizarre and creepy. Like I felt like I was sucked through something. And the weird thing was, is that I rolled the car and I was thrown out of the car and I just landed in the middle of the field. Yep. There's nothing that I was sucked through. I didn't go through anything. It was just this really strange phenomenon that I still yep. don't understand. But so I, I hit the ground and my phone was still in my pocket. 
Which is amazing. Which is amazing. Being thrown like that, to have that still. Otherwise it would have been bugging. in the field. Right. For sure. And so I was able to call 911. And um, at that point you knew you couldn't move. I couldn't move. And I felt like my legs were up high. Yeah. And I kept looking up to see them. And when I was talking to the, to the paramedics, I'm like, my legs are up high. And when the paramedic actually came, I'm like, my legs are up, my legs are up there. He's like, no, your legs are not. I'm like, my legs, are, they're up there. Wow. It was so weird. Cause I, and I, I kept looking to see them up there, but they weren't, I could see that they were down. Oh. It's just, it was, I still don't understand that either. Yeah. And um, so I have cold induced asthma and I couldn't breathe. And I, so I broke quite a few ribs and I broke my spine and nothing else. No blood, no cuts, no smashed gashes, yeah. nothing. I looked regular, except this. for all this is inside. And when the paramedics came, I couldn't breathe. And I kept telling them, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And they're like, you're fine, you're breathing. And finally the paramedic that has, was forever a, a paramedic, when she came, she saw that I was having trouble breathing and figured out that I had the cold-induced asthma yep. and I got a shot for the asthma. And honestly, this huge crash where I rolled and was thrown out of the car and like broke my spine, broke my ribs and like, it was the cold that just about really did yeah. me in, for real. So that was that. And then I was brought to Maymed and um, it was awful. So sad, you know, yeah. you know and um, for my family, I'm thinking, so sad for my family because they were, it, um, I was there for 10 days and then I was sent to New Hampshire to uh, a rehab there. And I was there for, for 30 days and then I was sent to a rehab here in Portland. So I was told I was complete. Uh, you can be an incomplete or complete para, I say. And so it's like complete meaning like you're never going to have any never. change or hope yeah. or whatever. And I just remember those first few days where I was processing being paralyzed. Like yeah. this is, this is what's going on. Pretty heavy. It was really heavy. Really, really heavy. Really heavy. One thing you said to me when we oh. were chatting last week was that, that I, that kind of stuck with me. You said they told me I was complete and you said, you know, F you, I'm not, mm -hmm. what do I got to do to get to incomplete? Yeah. Because you knew if you got to incomplete, yep. then there was a chance. You weren't like, I'm going to walk again. You said, I just need to get to incomplete Yes. because that's the path yes. to walking again. Yes. And, uh, mm -hmm. and so talk about mm -hmm. that for a second. Right. So like, I'm good with a tiny spark. If there's a spark of hope, saying I'm saying there's a chance. If there's a spark, I'm like, <laughs> so they're. Like, I was trying to get them. To, I'm trying to understand. Like, explain this to me. What does this mean? And then they're like, well, complete means this, and incomplete means that. And so I remember going like, I got this computer. I have, like someone had given me, brought into like someone, yeah. So I could be and I'm like googling it and trying to figure it out. I'm like, okay, there's a chance. I don't care if it's one person in I'd the history the of life. Yeah. Then that's a possibility. Right. So. I realized from day one of dealing with the everyone and the medical profession that they wanted to put me in this box. Like, here you are. You're not going to walk again. Okay, so if you want to be healthy, you better identify that 
acknowledge that and deal with that. Yeah. And I was like, no, like, first of all, like, I'm very aware of the state that I'm in. You told me you just started throwing people out of your room. I did. <laughs> I just started throwing people out of my room because they, the terminology that they would use was really like, it's, and, and I would say to them, like, well, you're not God. How do you know? Like, do you have a crystal ball? You don't know. Right. Like, I've said this often, like, if I was decapitated, chances are I'm not growing my head back on. Like, but if there's hope for anything else, there's hope. Right. It's all possible. Actually, I believe everything is possible. Yeah. So I really just needed to be, a, I needed to have, I knew I needed to fight for my own for my own chances of, of healing. Yeah. I had to be my own my own advocate. Um, and so that was 11, almost 11 years ago now. It's 11 years ago and, and you had some time where you did get up vertical. Yeah, for the first four years, two, two days a week for an hour and a half, two days a week for four years, in my braces, walking yep. down the hallway at Brighton Avenue with the most amazing physical therapist who, she's just awesome, just doing that. And I just get more feet and more feet and more feet. And it was just like, so Freedom. like, that was just, it was like something that I could do. And you know, you don't know with spinal cord injuries, people heal, people, I mean, like, I know maybe, but there's always a possibility and there's always right. hope. So I just feel like you shoot for it and you don't take that away. You Where don't did say, that optimism okay. come from? I've always had it. I was born so that's, this way. That's your mindset, your general mindset. Is... I feel like, I feel like you have two choices. Well, maybe it comes from sometimes when, when things are really, really bad, you have no choice. I think when things get really, really bad, I think it's our human instinct maybe to just, to know how to survive. Right. And um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm, yeah. It's a so, lot. It's a yeah, lot. It's so okay. it's been it's been the fight. Um, six years in, four years in, I started getting sick, and I got a blood infection and a bone infection, and I lost four vertebrae and my spine. I had a whole all this. Um, damage that yeah. resulted in some serious um, surgeries that I had to have and that took me away from physical therapy and I had and kind of like threw me off my course right and um, it's been a long road back um, to 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 healing from that um, but I've been back in physical therapy for a couple months now and that's awesome but I'm starting off like baby steps again. Right. It's it's really hard, like really baby steps. Like I feel like I'm back in the first week of where I was right after I was injured. Um, but I, I just feel like you have to, almost because I feel like everyone wanted to have, put me in this box of like, well, now you're paralyzed. Now you're a para. And right. now you're this, labeled. so you're labeled, and now you need to learn how to live in a wheelchair. Because if you don't learn how to live in a wheelchair, then you'll be unsafe, or you'll be this, or you'll be that. And I think, okay, well, 
no one's more aware of the fact that I'm in a wheelchair than me because I'm in it. Right. So like every second I'm in this wheelchair, every second that like, I feel like, oh, it'd be really <laughs> cool to just get up and run into this gas station here right now instead of like having to go through or like, I'm able to run in and like production. get some coffee or maybe instead of this whole scene, like every, I, I'm, you get from here to there, I'm in this wheelchair. Like I know, like I don't need to be reminded right. or be like in reality that I'm disabled so that I can live better. I just feel like this is a given for me. So the only hope that I have in how I can deal with this in the most positive way is to be working for healing, to right. working for better, to working for um, that hope, you know? And so I die still not walking, whatever. So what are the, some of the things that you do to, to cope or uh, how do you get yourself out of the, you know, out of a rut when you start getting feeling down or whatever do you what do you what is it that you do that changes your outlook or improves it or is it always positive no no i what i do lately is i listen to podcasts 24 7. they're just like they're in my head and i just like pounding them to me like because there's so many great things out there and i feel like it's so it's so incredibly awesome that this is what's going on right now. Must be a like after 50s thing. You just start listening to podcasts. Oh, it's just so awesome. <laughs> it's just so awesome because there's so many people out there. I don't even listen to the radio in my truck. I don't, anymore. I don't even What do we got anymore. for a podcast? I can't even, I have to turn the <laughs> music on for what, cause I'm, I drive Uber. So I turn the music on for the people. Cause I think, well, maybe you don't want to hear about this stuff. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, well, this is what you're hearing about. But so I turn, have to switch it on and it, I'm bummed. Cause I just want to like, there's so much to learn and there's so much out there and it's right. so accessible and it's so easy. So, I mean, despite disability, yes, you're on a self-improvement path, really. I'm trying. Yeah. You work out here. Yes. How many days a week do you come here? Well, not as much as I should. <laughs> Don't ask me how many days I've been coming. Okay, less lately. <laughs> so, uh, I started coming here. Can I tell why? Yes. What's that? So, yeah. so, um, so tell your story, my story, here's my story. So two years ago, so I don't even know what I'm saying here. I wish I could be the editor here. <laughs> yeah, she wants, she wants Mitchell's chair. <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing so, great. Um, two years ago, my, my son was killed. Um, he, um, he lived in Chicago. He's an artist. He had free spirit and lived, lived his life the way he wanted. And he was shot and killed by um, a gang, a gang. I mean, just being in the wrong place, I guess. Um, he and two of his friends were, they all three were shot. Um, it was, um, April 1st, actually, the beginning of COVID. We got a call and I got a call from my, one of my daughters that he had been shot. And it was just like one of my daughters was visiting or up to, in her, her boyfriend to kind of like be around with me for the beginning of COVID. And it's just like, we just, we're getting ready to go to Chicago and see him. And um, two hours later, I get the call from the doctor saying that first, the first call saying, oh, 
we did this, we did that, we did this, we did this, and if his heart stops again, um, do we do we save him, even though he may have brain damage? I didn't even think, I just said yes. Of course, yeah. I'm like, yeah. And then it was just so surreal. It's yeah. still surreal. And then two hours later, I get the call saying that he died. And so, um, that's just, you know, too much. It's yeah. too much. That's so a lot. That's, it, that's it, a lot it's, on it's the pile. It's know? a lot on the pile. Yeah. Um, you go from there. So, I don't know. You just like, he was really disciplined as a painter. So I, I wanted the last thing I last conversation I had with him is he FaceTimed me and he was like, Mom, I'm really proud of you. And I sold some paintings. You gotta take the money, you're gonna go buy some canvas and some more paint. You just gotta keep on doing it. And you know, so I feel like I wanna honor him by not squandering my life. Couple of things, I took notes when we talked. I took pretty good notes. A couple of things you said to me that you were trying to be part of the living. Okay. And that everyone is this strong. Yes. Where did that statement come from? I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like people say to me, like, I don't know how you do it. Like, I feel like every single person given. If they were in the circumstances. I think so. Like, what strength. are you going to do? Right. You know, you're like paralyzed. Okay. Now what? I yeah. mean, you might mope and cry. You might be depressed for a while. I don't know. But at some point, you're going to get up because there you are. Like, you're not, you're still alive. So you still have to live. No matter what happens that is so horrible, you're still up and you're still, it's like holding your breath when you're having a temper tantrum. You have to open your mouth right. and breathe. Like, there you are. And yeah. so, like, you could sleep. You could be depressed and like, oh, I'm going to sleep for a month. Eventually, right. you're going to wake up. Like, you have, life is still there and you have no choice. You, met, you said, I asked you what fills your cup, and you said being a loving, kind, and amazing parent. My kids would be like... Is she? No. <laughs> I'm not, like, I'm not amazing. Maybe we'll get them on next week. <laughs> like, uh-huh. What fills my cup is I love my children very much. And I love being... I don't mean to say I loved being a mom, because I'm still a mom. But I loved it when I got to be a mom, and they were all in my... Under, the, under yeah. your wing. And yeah. now they're gone. Like my youngest lives in California. Yeah. And my other, my girls are busy and they, they're amazing and they will all work really, really hard and they've been through a lot. Yeah. And their dad, their dad was killed in a car crash a few months before their brother died. So they have a lot of pain. Yeah. And they're, they're amazing. And I think sometimes when I know that they're getting up, suiting up and showing up daily, I think, well, if they can do it, I can do it. So and they, I don't and think they, they may think too that, you know what? My mother's doing it. I'm going to do it. Oh, maybe. Right. So I hope yeah. that, you know, I see them getting up and like, you know, going to work and doing their things and following their careers and being young women in the world, not giving up and, um, I think, okay, you know, I gotta, I, I have to be that too. And so I've been painting as much as I, I can um, to, to really honor Laszlo. And, um, and then one day I was driving by, I don't know what, but I was driving by here 
I'm like, what am I even doing today? I don't even know. And I drove by here. I was like, oh, I'm going to go in. So I came into Poli's and, and I asked for like a tour. And Dana gave me a, a tour. And I'm like, can I use this equipment? I don't. And she's like, oh, yeah, you can. She's like, give me like an hour tour, which is amazing. And she's like, and I'm like, well, I don't know. Is there someone that could maybe help me? Like, I think sure. I might need a little assistance. And she's like, well, I can, you know, I'm a trainer and this is kind of my specialty. So for a year and a half ago, I started working with Dana. My specialty, she is so knowledgeable in my particular situation. And she, I have to say, has been the driving force in me coming through the pain of 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 Laszlo. Yeah. Because I have like I'm gonna come here no matter what. I mean there are times I haven't been able to. I've been sick or this or that, but like for the most part it's been no matter what, this has been my commitment. It's pretty tough to come in here, regardless of the mood you come in and it's pretty tough to leave in a bad mood. Yeah. Right? No. You bump into Mike or you see these guys, yep. everybody's smiling. Yep. Um, the general membership is positive. You can always get a good workout mm -hmm. so um, yeah, nice. even when I don't want to come over here, when I leave, I'm like, okay, got that done, feel better. Mm -hmm. So good for it's you. It's great. It's a great, great place. And it was, a, and I had to sit there like in that little room by myself with Dana, where not even in the general, like <laughs> I wasn't even allowed out in the general population. We were just in the little room. Oh, you did? You like yeah, the dumbbells? Yeah, I came there for the first couple of months before <laughs> I graduated. wasn't allowed in the general into, population. like other people area. <laughs> and, um. I was just looking at myself and I was like, yeah, oh my God, I don't even know this person. I'm seeing my reflection. Yeah. I just thrashed. I didn't even see the, uh, recognize the person looking back. Yeah. And we started out with a tube, a PVC pipe that can barely lift <laughs> and had to just suck up my vanity and my pride and suck it up and just one day. So where are you at now? You're throwing day. up the 55s? Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm ready to <laughs> compete. Yeah, <laughs> but it's been and she's so good. She's so good with her just the way her 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 whole like mindset is so positive and it's been really so I put this first. So this is putting me first. Good. And so that's what I've done. And it's time, right? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know. So, I mean, you've dealt with I mean, your, your own car wreck. Um, losing your son, ex-husband died in a car, car wreck. I mean, holy cow, that's, this. a lot of people that go through life that don't have anything happen to them that is even close to any one of those three things. Not to mention just a challenge in childhood and, and raising kids on your own and all that kind of stuff. So good for you. I mean, kudos to you for, for soldiering on. Um, what would you say to somebody that's struggling or somebody that's dealt with one of those things or Maybe somebody's had more to deal with than you, but you seem to have this uh, optimism and stick to if you will, for lack of a better word, that keeps you going, that a lot of people wouldn't have, okay? A lot of people would, 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 would nosedive. I know you say everybody has the strength, but I think there are some people that would give up. And so what would you say to those people that are dealing with something similar or are ready to give up? So I'm driving Uber now as a way to support myself. I drive Uber and I pay. And I run into people all day long in the car. And and people open up to me a lot. And there's a lot of stuff that people are going through. And I always tell them, like, a lot of people, like, 
you know, what they, they, a lot of times people feel like they have to act a certain way. Yeah. Like even in the recovery program, they did like people feel like, oh, I need to do this and I need that. And I'm like, no, you don't. You don't yeah. need, you don't, those rules are not, you can break the rules. It's your life. It's own. It's your life. Writing your own story. You. It doesn't matter. You do. You take what you need right. from wherever you go, and um, don't let someone else decide where you are. Don't let someone else put the, the you know, the brakes on on your life. Does someone tell you that you can't do this or you can't do this or you know you, this or like that's the the problem I find I've had happen to me and still. Like, you know, like telling me what I can or cannot do. And I think that's people where people fall short is they listen to other people um, right. giving them their limitations. You got to get to a point where you just don't care what other people think. Yeah. Right. And you don't impose other people's opinions on your limitations because I don't feel like I honestly feel like it's limitless. Our potential is yeah, limitless. I agree. I think the power of healing and everything is in absolutely impossible through our own self and our own power of ourself and that's I think that's the whole point is to just find self-empowerment so that we can you know become all that we can if you could change one thing about the world what would it be oh my god <laughs> I love dropping that one on them. oh my god about the world it started a point where I stopped thinking like that and I like I do not listen to the news anymore I do not think I don't get all crazy about politics I don't like get all because I just feel like none of that matters and all of that is is a bunch of distraction noise and in it in it I feel like if it all starts individually so individually everyone could just understand that that's the power rather than out here collectively and then that then collectively that that's powerful so i just wish that right now if i could change the world i don't mean to begin heavy but right now it seems like a lot of people are um struggling with a lot of drug addiction which was never my i was never addicted but that's breaking my heart the amount of children that are dying and it's an acceptable thing is wild to me when we were right. younger i no one ever died right it's like if someone died it was like oh this person died and two schools over because they're and now it's just like some sort of thing that as a society we just accept as part of life right. yeah and you're like oh that's just part of life everyone that you know either lost a child or a boyfriend or a girlfriend right. or a brother or a sister or 10 friends and like what the hell is that all about that's yeah. like out of control it is. This is not something that should be happening, whether it's through drugs or suicide or what gun violence with my son or whatever it's about. Like children should not be dying. And this should not be a thing that we're just thinking is, oh, well, that's just what happens. Right. And it's, it's, it's we unbelievable need to, be better. to me. Yeah, better as a society, so, certainly as a country. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And right now, uh, things just feel like there's just a lot of upheaval. You know? It is. It's sadness. Um, it would be nice to see that settle down. What, um, my other question is, uh, how do you want to be remembered? Oh my God. <laughs> I think about that sometimes. Yeah. 
you know, because I get sick sometimes. I think, oh my God, is this the, is this the time? And um, and I think, well, what's my legacy? Like honestly, I don't know. And um, I guess what I really want. Oh my God, take me. I just want my children to do well, and I want them to do better than I did. And I feel like I did better in some ways, and I want them in, in not always, and I want them to continue to do better and then continue in the generations to come and just that. Yeah. And as far as being remembered as far as anywhere else in the world, I, I don't care anymore. I used to think I cared. It was important to be like, have recognition as an artist and like do this and do that and, and change the world through my opinion and I don't care. I just want to be kind to the people that come to like come in my path. Yeah. And that's it. What's, uh, what's next? What do you got some bucket list items? What's next <laughs> for you? I mean, you've, you got a whole bunch that's going on. So, I mean, I've no, I'm think, still trying to figure out. I think it. you deserve a few good years here. I don't right? know. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to be <laughs> when I grow up. What are some things you want to do? What? Well, I'm going to work on healing yeah. and getting stronger and stronger. And then I'd like to be able to paint more. And I'd love my paintings to be able to just paint more and be able to support myself more that way. Of course, every artist would love that. And then, um, I don't know. I need to, there's more of the world I need to see. Yeah. And hopefully I, you know, hopefully I'll maybe get a chance to do a little more, do some traveling and not be just kind of like stuck, planted here. But I'm waiting for some grandchildren, but that's going to be well. I don't know. I don't even know anymore. I'm just going to take it day by day. Day at a time. What right? I know is that like when I make a plan, it's not, life is just not even close to. Yeah. You think it's it. going to be like this and then. Yeah. There's no. Off in another direction, I mean, you have right? to have a loose outline maybe of like what you want, but. Yeah. I'm going to hopefully yeah. continue to go and. Well, this has been great. Um, <laughs> Thank you. It's, no, it's really cool to hear you share your story and, um, you know, I mean, this is, there's a lot there. And, and I know that, you know, in, in this hour, we didn't dive as deep as we did the other day, uh, but we didn't need to. Um, I think that you got it out there, talked about what you've been through, how it affected you, and more importantly, about how you're moving forward, perspective, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, if we all had her perspective, we'd be in, in a lot better shape, right? So mm, you get a positive outlook, you're, you're an optimist, um, you know, you're a role model to your kids, whether you think so or not, mm. right? And you're going to find that out when you become a grandmother, right? Best thing about grandkids, you can give them back, right, at the end of the day. So, you know, I think that whether you know it or not, you you probably inspire a, a, a heck of a lot of people right here in this gym. Oh. Huh. You know? I, I think you get a little bit of street cred when you roll through the door in a wheelchair, when you come into a gym. Okay. So, All right. So the people are like, yeah. what's she up to? They right. do open the door for me. That, you know, that's well, nice. hey, and they should, you know. Um, and there's a guy here that, that's probably most inspired by you, and that's Mike Foley. And 
he's not a guy that needs a lot of inspiration. Okay. Oh my God. So when Mike said to me, this, this lady inspires me, um, that hit home with me and I didn't waste any time getting you on the phone. So, um, that's kind of Mike too. And and I think that, you know, not telling you what to do, but I think, I think you've got, you've got some stories inside you and, and you should share it, Mm. you know, when you get the opportunity and it's not cocky or egotistical or self, uh, promoting or anything like that. It's just, it's born of you wanting to help someone. Mm-hmm. Maybe avoid a few mistakes or say, hey, listen, I've been where you're at. Here's what I did. And I'm still here, still yep. kicking. You know what yep. I mean? Well, maybe not. And, you just, and you're still incomplete. <laughs> yes, that's still right. incomplete. That's right. Right? Right. Well, it's been fun. Is there anything that, that I've forgotten to ask that you'd like to share if, if I gave you the if you had the floor for a couple of minutes and could say anything, she said to me before, you know, this is going to be on the internet for like forever. <laughs> so if somebody Googles me, they're going to see, is there anything that. Oh my God. That's a hard, that's wild. I wish uh, that's, you know, forever's a long time. Forever's a long time. Out there on the interwebs. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I, I feel like really, um, humbled. I feel, I have a lot of gratitude. I'm appreciative that you that you would ask and me too. want to hear. Yeah, me too. And, um, you know, I just feel like everyone just wants to be heard. Yeah. Everyone just wants do. to hear. Yeah. I feel as everyone just wants to be heard. And I just, you know, I'm, I just, that's all I try to do and want. And I appreciate it. Well, you just got this. heard, you know, and, and uh, we're, this, this will go on. This podcast will be loaded on our YouTube channel. It's on Apple. Uh, podcasts, Podbean, um, it's out there. Uh, I share it on my Facebook page. You can share it on yours. Okay. You guys, if, if you're looking uh, to, to share this with someone, we, we'd love it if you did and love it if you subscribe to the YouTube channel and we'll put all that stuff in the notes. This has been Kimberly Kelly and uh, the incomplete Kimberly Kelly. And uh, we want to thank her for sitting here and kind of bearing her soul for the last hour, uh, which she didn't need to. She's not getting paid for it. So thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. This has been uh, another episode of Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things podcast. We want to thank you. Appreciate it. You're a freaking rock star, and I want to thank you for being here. All right? Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.